chapter number five. Romans chapter five. Does anyone need an outline tonight? You need an outline tonight? We got a few hands up. Ben, you want to take care of that for me? Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five. I'm turn the temperature down one degree. Maybe I was just singing too much, but need a little bit of air. And those of you that are lukewarm and just right, the Lord doesn't like that anyways. I'd rather you wear hot or cold. Isn't that what the scripture says? I don't think he was referring to the temperature in the room. But, you know, anyway, I'll up here up in Romans chapter number five. Paul has spent at the beginning and as we've gone through the book to this point, a lot of time proving that man is a sinner. Basically, after he gets going in chapter number 1 through chapter number 2 through chapter number 3, he lays out the fact that every class of human in the world is guilty in the eyes of God. There's no denying that, that truth tonight. Every person that's ever been born, other than Jesus Christ, is born in sin. And when we talk about that, just look around the world. Turn on the news. Man is naturally wicked. We don't like to say that. We don't like to think of ourselves that way, but that's the honest truth of the matter. Tonight, these verses that we look at, last week, if you remember, we started out chapter 5 a couple weeks ago, and we saw how Abraham was justified by faith. And then Paul says, therefore, being justified by faith, he says some things, some of the benefits that we have, and how while we were weak, while we were ungodly, while we were sinners, while we were God's enemy, he died in our place so that we could be saved. We get to tonight and we see how paradise was lost. Tonight we're going to look at what happens, you know, you think about this. None of us like to think this way. But let's be honest and real for a few minutes tonight. Every person sitting in this room has desires and impulses in your mind that if followed, could one minute ruin your marriage, ruin your career, ruin your finances, ruin your name, ruin lots of things. And sadly, a lot of people act on those impulses. Even when we know the consequences of our actions, we still want to do wicked things. Why is that? The answer lies within the doctrine called original sin. This doctrine teaches us that man is a sinner by nature. You see, man doesn't become a sinner by doing evil. Man does evil because man is a sinner. Let me repeat that to you tonight. Man is a sinner by nature. He doesn't become a sinner by doing evil. Man does evil because he is a sinner. There's another name for this condition, a doctrinal name. And some people don't like using it, but it's the way it is. Total depravity. That's where we are. 
That's where we are without the Lord. And basically what this teaches us is that mankind is evil to the core and there's no good in him at all. And the Bible says that. So these are key doctrines that are important. And you've got to understand something. This is not how God created it to be. God created, you think about it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. Now, God was not referring to the angels of heaven. It's the Godhead here. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. You see, this is God's plan for mankind. I think God has a hard time when we uh, keep people from having water that they need to keep a little fish alive. We care more about animals than we do humans. When it's okay to abort a baby, but we're doing our best to save little fish or things of that nature, we've got things backwards from how God created it to be. But God created man perfect, holy, righteous, and was a close friend of God. God himself came to the garden with man every day. Think about that one just a little bit tonight. Man was placed in a perfect place where he could enjoy the riches of God's perfect creation. You see, our world today is scarred and marred by sin. Imagine, and look at how beautiful it is. All the flowers, everything else around us. Imagine what the world would be like with no sin. With no curse on it. Think about that one just a little bit. What happened? Our text holds the answer. How was paradise lost? How did this take place? In these verses, we'll learn about sin tonight. We'll see where it came from. And how it affects us even to this day. We'll see ourselves in our wretchedness. But that is a sight that we need to see. So let's look at these verses now. Verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world. The law wasn't even given yet. Sin. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigneth from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned before the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Father, bless the next few minutes we have tonight. We look at these verses, help us apply them to our lives and our hearts, and help us to see some things that maybe we haven't thought about before. So much richness in this passage. Help us tonight. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one tonight, we see the roots of sin. The roots of sin. From a perfect being, or a perfect beginning, to utter chaos and failure. The study of sin's effect on the human race is a study of tragedy and death. As we dive into this tonight, and I could use, I need to grab myself one of the notes there because 
in the notes, I worded things a little bit different for you than how I have them for myself. Because there are certain things I wanted to get across in the notes for you here, but I also wanted to add a few more things that I didn't want need you to have. So I want to make sure I have everything good for you. Letter A, we see that sin had its origins in the heart of Lucifer. That's where it began. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12 through verse number 15. Do you have the actual verses up there? You just have a reference there. Let's take our Bibles. I want you to see this. I want you to see this tonight. I think it's important that we see some things and understand some things. And one of the things that a lot of churches are missing out on today is teaching true biblical doctrine. You know, what is original sin? What is total depravity? A lot of people have never even heard those words before. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12. Scripture says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which does weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Lucifer was not content to be an anointed cherub that covereth. That's literally what his meaning was. He wanted to be like God. And he said, I'm going to be, he wanted to be even greater. Do you realize if we're, when we study the book of Revelation, the Antichrist, Christ, uh, the devil's trying to be like Christ. He wants to have, he's going to have his Godhead, the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. You have God as the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Satan has his counterfeits. Satan wants to be greater than God. That's where this whole mess began, was in heaven when this took place. The Bible also tells us in the book of Ezekiel, let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Do you have Ezekiel verses? Those ones are up there. Why one are and the other aren't, I don't have a clue. But we got those ones. Ezekiel 28, verse number 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, Take up a lamentation upon the king of, Ty, of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. For thou, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. 
he sinned against the Lord. But let me just help you with something tonight. Satan's sin did not affect humanity at that time. It affected Satan. It affected a third of the angels of heaven. That's quite a sight in things that have hap- that happen. But to this point, it did not affect humanity. Now, there are those that say, have different time periods when all this happened. When did it take place? All these different things. This took place before the Garden of Eden happened. Because Satan tempts Eve and Adam there. So it had to have happened before this time. Now, what I want you to understand is this. When we get to letter B, sin entered the human family by the actions of the first man, Adam. That's when sin entered into the human reality of things. We're going a little deep tonight, but you're going to be okay, all right? Just hang with me. Man had been created. Adam was created in the very image of God. He was placed in a perfect environment with the perfect companion. He was the master of a perfect world. There was only one restriction God put on them in the garden. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Adam had control of everything. One tree. Do you know what my mind always thinks? Lord, why did you put the tree in the garden then? Just keep the tree out. That's what free will is about. If this world, if God didn't give free will, he wouldn't have put the tree there. And he wouldn't have to send the son to die. But man had a choice to make. The tree was put there for a reason. You see, he was forbidden to eat the fruit of the one tree in the garden. The penalty for eating of that tree was death. You would think that Adam and Eve would be content being in a perfect world, in a perfect garden, being in paradise. But the Bible tells us that Adam broke the one law that he was told not to chapter 3 verse number 1 it says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said unto the woman yea hath God said we see Satan questioning God's word right away yea hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God hath said ye shall not eat of it Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Is that exactly what God said? No, that's not. And so leave it to a lady to exaggerate what what God said. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, that just slipped out too easy right there. He said not to eat it. Now, I will tell you this. If you're not going to eat it, it's probably a good lesson not to even touch it. I could totally see that. Because if you don't touch it, you're not going to be risking eating it. 
because you've got to touch it to eat it, right? And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, remember in the book of First uh, John, we were just in First John the other night. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So I was in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, uh, what, the, the pride of life. So the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Yes. So the lust of the flesh, the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, to the lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. Right there. She took the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. If we would have been there that day, you wouldn't have seen any explosion when they ate the fruit. There would have been no bells, no whistles. However, in an instant of time, the spirit of man died that instant. And flesh began the process of dying. The fallout from that moment of disobedience has been catastrophic to the human race from that time. When we think about this, let us see all sin and all the results of sin can be traced back to that one moment in time. Something else just to think about there. The Bible says in our text here in the book of Romans, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world. You got to understand something. Adam's sin or his fall didn't just affect Adam. It affected the entire human race at that moment. There's no way, you think about this, to explain things like murder, abortion, theft, racism, hatred, fornication, adultery, idolatry, and other kinds of wickedness. The only way to describe it or to talk about it is by one man, those things entered into the world. How do you explain all the craziness that goes on in our world? One man. Sin entered into the world. It's all traced back to when Adam, the first man, sinned against God. Adam's transgression was how paradise was ruined. And let me just help you out tonight. Don't be too hard on the guy because you would have done the same thing. Number two. We see the roots of sin. It all goes back to that decision in the garden. Number two, we see the reality of sin. The reality of sin. 
The rest of verse number 12, it says there, how are we doing? We're doing all right on time. I'm in Isaiah. That's not quite the same. There we go. Back to Romans. That looks better. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, now look at this next phrase, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We see the reality of sin. Now we want to move away from talking about what Adam did thousands of years ago. We want to talk about us today for a few minutes. You notice the last phrase there in verse number 12, all have sinned. Could it be any plainer? All have sinned. This verse isn't saying that all men are sinners, even though we are. This verse is not saying that all men commit sin, though we do. To properly understand this verse, you need to look at the tense of the word sinned. Notice that it is past tense. We've all sinned before we got here. Basically, what Paul is saying, letter A, is that when Adam sinned, you and I sinned. The human race did. When Adam disobeyed, we all disobeyed. When Adam fell, we all fell. Someone said it like this, when Adam fell, everyone bruised their knees. You could say it even better, when Adam fell, everyone died that day. That's the consequences of sin. And so, as we look at this, and to understand this, we need to understand that Adam was the first man. We all trace our lineage back to him. That's very clear. In fact, Adam was the, repre was the representative man. What happened to Adam happened to us. You say, well, that's not fair. Have you ever heard the saying, life's not always fair? It's not always fair what we think. Anyways, it wasn't fair that Jesus had to die for our sins either when he didn't do anything wrong. Stop, I hear, that's just not fair. Kids will say that. That's not fair, Dad. There's a lot of things in life not fair. They need to learn that at a good young age. Life's not always fair. When Adam fell, he passed his sinful condition down to everyone else. I want you to see a verse with me. Hold your place here and go to Genesis chapter number 5. Genesis chapter number 5. Verse number 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them, verse number 2, and blessed them and called their name Adam, in the day when they were created. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat a son in the likeness of, in the image of God, right? In his own likeness. After whose image? Adam's image. And called his name Seth. Was, was Adam created in the image of God? Yes, he was. 
after that time, those of us who've been born after Adam were created in the image or in the likeness of Adam. Adam was made in the likeness of God. But the difference between Adam's likeness and God's likeness was the fact that Adam's likeness had sin. And we all, from the time we come into the picture, were sinners. And because we got to understand, because Adam was the first man, retrace our lineage back to him. His sin tainted the bloodstream of all humanity. And every human being born into this world is carrying the virus of sin and death. We all have the disease. Think of it this way. Adam was driving the bus of humanity. And when he drove the bus off the cliff, we were all along for the ride. And because of this, letter C, because of this infection of sin that fills our blood, we are born with a natural drive towards evil. All of us are. And it's clearly evident in the lives of little children. Children have to be taught how to do everything, don't they? You teach them how to get dressed. You teach them how to behave. You teach them how to brush their teeth. You teach them how to take a bath. You teach them how to tie their shoes. However, you never have to teach a child to say, that's mine. You never have to teach them to cry and whine to get their own way. You never have to teach a child to be selfish. It's a natural thing. Say, well, my sweet little, yeah, they're all sinners. You know when that newborn, you say newborns are sinners? Technically, yes, they are. And you can't know the intent of a newborn. And if you think you can, you can, anyways, you can't. But when that baby has been fed and they've been changed and they're just crying there, not going to sleep, they're just wanting their own way right away. I don't know if that's true or not, but. <laughs> but there, we're, it's, we're born into this thing as sinners. There, we are born with a bent, we're bent towards sin. That might, not, that might sound hard, but it's true. The Bible tells us in Psalm 58.3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Could it be any clearer than that? You don't have to teach your children how to lie. You teach them how to tell the truth. Because it's a natural thing. And you see, that's how this thing goes. We are all sinners we trace it back to adam that's where it all begins so as we look at these things and as we tie them all together people do not become evil because they commit sin people commit sin because they're evil by their very nature you see people became bad way back in the garden of eden you were born with a bad record full of lusts for wrong Any sin, let's just be honest tonight, any sin is possible for anyone to commit. Say, I would never murder somebody. Given the right circumstances, we are all sinners. It could be you or me. I would never do this. I would never do that. The bottom line is we're all human and wicked to the core. There is no good in any of us. 
We're wicked beyond our belief. That's the reality of sin. We see the roots of sin. We see, number two, the reality of sin. We see, number three, the results of sin. The results of sin. The results of sin can be summed up in one word, death. When man sinned, we are, they were doomed to die. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin, what we deserve for our sin, is death. Period. That's what sin, that is the consequence. That's the results of sin. It's death. Why is there death in our world today? Sin. Why are we spirit born spiritually dead? Sin. It's a consequence of sin. That's where it comes from. What Paul's trying to say to us in these verses is that death entered into the world, not because man broke a specific law and commandments of God, but death entered the world through sin. Because God hadn't even given his laws out yet. Those were later on down the line. He gave them one rule to follow in the garden. And they couldn't do it. Go back to Genesis chapter number 5 for just a second. Sorry, I should have told you to hold that place. Look at what sin did. Genesis 5, look at verse number 5. And all the days that Adam lived were 950 years, and look at these words, and he died. Seth, verse number 8, and he died. Enos, in verse number 11, and he died. Canaan, in verse number 14, and he died. Mahalaleel, in verse 17, and he died. Jared, in verse number 20, and he died. Enoch, God took him. That's quite a passage right there. Methuselah, and he died. Lamech, and he died. That's the result of what happened that day in the Garden of Eden. Man will die, and spiritually did. You notice the result of sin is always death. James 1, verse 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. It's a resounding theme throughout the Bible. Death comes because of sin. Now, we think about, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9, verse 27, as is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Death is as certain as life is. Why do people have, why do people, why are there cemeteries? Why are there morticians, coroners? Because we're going to die. That's the reality of it. Sorry to give you bad news, but we all are. Unless the Lord comes, we will die some, at some point. No one is, you know, Lazarus, the Lord raised him from the dead, but Lazarus isn't still around today. He got to die a second time. 
Think about that one right there. That's, a, that's quite a thought right there. But what you got to understand, sadly, many don't understand that death is much more than just lying in the ground or leaving this body. But in truth, sin produced three, three specific kinds of death in humanity. And I want to give you these and help you understand these tonight. And this is a lot of doctrine tonight. And uh, if you don't like doctrine, there are plenty of other churches that don't teach doctrine. You can go find them and not get a lot of doctrine. I think it's important to understand what you believe and why you believe it. Number one of the three is spiritual death. Spiritual death. The three deaths that sin produces, first one, spiritual death. And this is the natural state of humanity as they are born into this world. Spiritual death is the reality of being separated from God. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 1 and 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time passed, he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And we could look at even more verses. We look at chapter number 4 and verse number 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Man that day in the garden spiritually died. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus like, I've already, my mom already gave birth to me. <laughs> yep, that's true, Nicodemus. But Jesus wasn't talking about the physical birth. He was talking about the spiritual. That spirit being made alive. And that is what God does when you come to him for salvation. So there's spiritual death, that when we come into this world, we are spiritually dead. That was the first death caused there by sin. The second one is physical death. This is the place that all humans come to. When these temporal, earthly bodies are laid aside. We read a few minutes ago in Hebrews 9, 27. It's a point unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Now, in all honesty, aren't there two people that, ha that did not die in this Bible? Elijah and Enoch? Personally speaking, I believe that those are the two prophets that are at the end. And then they die. Because the Bible doesn't, if the Bible says it's a point of men wants to die, then everyone has to die once. Or those are taken up in the rapture. you got those two options. Or you could say that Enoch and Elijah aren't those guys. That's just my opinion. That doesn't mean it's Bible. But we have spiritual death, physical death, and then there's eternal death. This is known as the second death. Now, before I explain this to you completely, I need you to go with me to Revelation for a minute. Revelation chapter 20, I believe. Revelation 20. And look at verse, and we see the beginning of the chapter that Satan has put in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. We look down at verse number 6. It says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. 
The first death is physical death. The second death, I want you to turn the page, or in my Bible, i got to turn the page, and go down to verse number 11 of chapter 20 here in Revelation. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up the dead which were in them, and they that were ju- and they were judged every man according to their works, and death look at this look at the verse number fourteen, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Think with me for a second. The point of a man wants to die. Let's say you have a friend. You have two friends. One friend is saved and knows Christ their Savior. One friend is not saved. Physical death takes place. You think about this. Our body is in the ground. Our temporal shell. The soul and spirit of the believer to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So from the, our last breath as a believer is our first breath with the Lord. A man who dies without Christ, bodies in the ground, their soul and spirit are in hell. From that moment, the rich man and Lazarus, we see how these things work. When Christ comes again at the rapture, the dead in Christ rise first, which means they have not been in the ground all this time. The Bible makes it clear they've been with the Lord. But they get their glorified body at the rapture. Their body will meet their soul and spirit, and they're with the Lord forever. But they've been with him already, but they meet their body. Those that are alive here on earth that know the Lord and are saved will be caught up together, get the glorified body, and will be with the Lord forever. And as we read there at the earlier in this passage in Revelation 20, the second death has no power over us. But those that have died without Christ, their bodies have been buried, their soul, they're in hell. What's going to happen at the final, the great white throne judgment, the ground, the sea is going to toss up that body. Hell is going to release the soul. And that person will stand before God, the great judge, and it's Jesus Christ who's the judge. God gives all the judgment to his son. And on that day, they will be damned to hell. Or not hell, the lake of fire forever. The second death, eternal death, is not hell. It's the eternal lake of fire. So eternal death, this third one that we mentioned, the result of sin, has no bearance on a child of God. But those that don't know Christ, when their body and soul meet up and stand before God and get judged, they will be cast in the eternal lake of fire. That is the second death. That's what we're warning people about. That's why we tell them about Jesus Christ. 
But that's the result of sin. Spiritual death, physical death, and eternal death. Every lost person, if there's someone watching on the screen tonight, or if there's someone sitting in this room that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, needs to understand the fact you are spiritually dead tonight. And one day you'll die physically and spend eternity without God if you don't turn to Him for salvation. Saved people need to know that we've already passed from death to life because of what Jesus Christ did for us. We see the roots of sin, we see the reality of sin, we see the results of sin, and lastly, i got to cover this, and we're going to take a couple minutes, we're going to go over barely tonight, but the remedy for sin. I would be wrong to stop with explaining all these things and stopping without talking about the remedy for sin. Look at the end, look at verse number 14 of our text. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgressions, who is the figure of him that was to come. The Bible tells us, and you're going to see briefly over the next couple weeks as we go further into this, you're going to see some more things about what Jesus did for this. But i got to end with this tonight. You see the fact that it says that Adam is the figure of him that was to come. Paul is telling us that the first Adam was a type and picture of the second Adam. However, their similarities don't run that deep. You see where the first man, the first Adam, failed. The second man, the second Adam, prevailed. You see, um, letter A, the first Adam gave humanity a gift. It was the gift of sin. What a gift. Thank you, Adam, for giving us that gift. Quite a gift. What a guy. What a gift to give us all. This gift brought the ultimate price of sin to the picture. The second Adam, and number letter B, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, also gave us gifts. And aren't you thankful that he gave us gifts? And what you'll see is, and I have to end with this because I will not end without giving the gospel here after all I've said. Because literally I'm jumping into next week's material for you tonight. Say, well, if I hear tonight's next week's material, I don't even have to come back next week. Don't do that. There's going to be more. We're going to go deeper into it. But five times in these verses, Paul uses the word gift. Let's just look real quick. Look at verse number 14. Verse 15. But not as the offense, but also as the free gift. You could look further down. And it says, verse number 16, And not as it was by one man that sinned, and so is the gift. For the judgment was made by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. You see the word gift. This teaches us what God gave, what Jesus Christ, the second Adam. So Adam gave us a gift, right? He gave us sin and he gave us death. Thank you, Adam. I can't wait to meet you someday. And to, No, I'm just teasing, but... I've, it'll be, I, how would you like to be Adam? I, I wouldn't want to be Adam. But, but look at all of us. Think about that one. We, it been, if it would have been us, you done, 
There's no way I would have done it. Think about the apostles. They're right there with Jesus all the time. Look at all the dumb things they did. You and I would have done just as dumb or dumber things than they did. Dumb. I don't know if dumb's a good word for it, but that's anyways. Let's just talk about the gifts real quick and we'll be on our way. There's the free gift. The free gift. We'll explain these more next week. Number two, the gift of grace. The third gift, the gift of justification. The fourth gift, the gift of righteousness. And then we looked in Romans 6.23 earlier, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What is the remedy for sin? Are you ready? Receive God's gift. God loved this sin-cursed world so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. And all you got to do is believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what the Bible says he did. It's a gift that we could never earn. And it's something that we don't deserve to receive, but that's why it's called a gift. The whole message centers around a question. Have you received God's gift of salvation for yourself? If not, you're still dead in your trespasses and in your sin. And the wrath of God still abides on you. The remedy is receive what Jesus Christ did. He paid the ultimate price. He died. You see, sin had to be paid for. He died. He took our place. Or you can pay the price for yourself and have the second death upon yourself. I think it's pretty easy to see which one you should want. There are a lot of people in this world that just don't get it. If you don't know Christ tonight, make sure you get to know him. Hey, tonight, don't blame Adam for all your problems. Don't blame your spouse for all your problems. Don't blame your pastor for all your problems. Don't blame this church for all your problems. You can blame yourself. You can look in the mirror. It's you that can make the decision to know Christ. Do you know him tonight? If you don't, we're not going to have an invitation tonight, but I would challenge you before you leave and walk out this door, come find me. I would love to take the Bible and help you know for sure that heaven's your home. God gave us his word so that you could know that you have eternal life. That's why he gave it. And if you're sitting here tonight or you're watching online tonight and God is convicting your heart, if you're watching online tonight, you call my phone number tonight, 909-636-8674. One more time, 909-636-8674. You call me and I'll talk to you tonight. If you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I don't care how long you've been coming to church or wherever you're at, you don't want the second death. Come talk to me tonight. Have it settled. Maybe you have doubts. Let me give you some verses to help you with your doubts. Say, what's anybody going to think? I really don't care. You shouldn't care what anybody thinks except the judge. 
and I want to have no condemnation in Jesus Christ. And that's where I'm at, not because I'm anything special, but because of what he did for me. And I've just received a gift. Father, bless